With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome everyone to Rocket Nation Podcast. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts, uh, which you may know, is a top 10 SB Nation College podcast. Uh, we are on season five, episode 34, I believe, uh, here to talk about your Missouri Tigers and their basketball program. I am your host, Sam Snelling. With me, as always, from the wavy plains of Indiana, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm well. Um, hopefully, we'll find uh, something to discuss tonight, because we are in the doldrums we are in the offseason doldrums officially now uh where the uh the highlight is guessing what numbers the newcomers are gonna wear and maybe praying that the uh gods give us scheduling news yeah um <laughs> we we did get a little lucky because i think uh i think mosley was beginning of june but normally june is a pretty rough month content wise for the the old college blog um if your baseball team is in the college world series uh which missouri is not very often uh in um then you have stuff to talk about uh just from like a overall athletic standpoint but otherwise like everyone right now is just struggling for content um in fact, if you listen to the uh, also brief uh, before the Box Score podcast, uh, you got to hear Nate and BK struggle to talk about and, and find subjects to talk about. 
Um, they did a little preview of Kentucky. Um, talked a little recruiting, roster movement, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't even have that much to talk about, uh, mostly because after uh, Isaiah Mosley committed, um, it's it's all sort of gone quiet. Um, there's been a couple, I guess, you know, little 2023 nuggets offers going out here and there. Um, what was the kid's name? Gehrig Normand? Is that, yep. did I say that right? Yep. Um, I really, what dad named his son Gehrig? Okay. Like we get it. You like baseball. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he was on campus. Um, I don't know like how easy it will be, Matt, for uh, Mizzou to pluck a Texas kid out of Texas with a Texas offer. Um, no, you were also kind of saying before the pod that it seems like Wisconsin is also in pretty heavy, and he is a white dude. And Wisconsin, they they sure love their uh, uh, their white guys. They're probably, uh, you know, without <laughs> getting too into a Wisconsin pod, maybe the whitest. Uh, power conference roster, would you say? Uh, St. Mary, well, if we're doing power five, yes, yes, probably. Um, but that would be my guess, or Notre Dame, or yeah, but even St. Mary's, like, all those guys are like Australian, so that only kind of counts. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be quiet now. <laughs> it's three minutes and 50 seconds into the pod, and we're already into dangerous ground here. <laughs> just gonna we're just gonna move past this here. Uh yeah. Gary Norman visited in last week. Mizzou was the leadoff visit uh for him. He was at Wisconsin over the weekend. He'll be headed to Oklahoma State. Um and then he's also gonna take a visit to Texas and that feels kinda like a Rubicon if the Longhorns were to really make a push there would that probably tip the scales to him that that would be worth monitoring but um reporting at least from the wisconsin camp seems to indicate that 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 staff feels really good about where they sit with him right now um the bigger the more interesting question for me is you know what happens with a written page who visited last month uh he's also taken a visit to I believe USC and Paige is trying to get a visit. And he's also visited. Is it Arrington? I was saying Arrington. Arrington. Almost like, I mean, I, like Arrington, but with just Aaron. I, I would I would really appreciate a pronunciation guide on that one. But Mr. Page has taken two other visits to Cincinnati and to uh, the University of Southern California and is would like to visit Indiana, which is interesting because if you – you know, that would imply that Indiana has yet to say, yeah, you can come on down. But uh, those are kind of the four schools involved there. I tend to look at that one just because I think that one tilts a little bit more kind of to Mizzou's wheelhouse. Um, uh, Pages from, uh, I think, suburban, the Cobb County uh, area and plays at Wheeler High School. Really, really packed kind of. Conference Atlanta. Program. Yeah, the, the Atlanta area, the, the, the Atlanta metro area. <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought I was still in, in the south there. Uh, he's out of the Atlanta metro. CY um, has a lot of connections and experience in that 
and that recruiting ground. Um, so that kind of feels like a more natural sort of, you know, first commit to land a fast rising kid um, who didn't have any offers coming into the spring. Missouri got in there relatively early. The staffer has a good relationship and has contacts in the area. Um, they got him on campus relatively early and ahead of the June period. So, you know, not to say that that commitment's imminent, but if I were to pick the two 23 kids that they've had on campus so far, I'd probably think Paige is, would probably make me more optimistic. And that's a position of need for Missouri. Missouri's going to need, you know, to fill in some front court spots, I think, next year. If I'm looking at the math, yeah, they're going to have one or two spots at a minimum they need, um, kind of a four, you know, at the four spot or five spot. Um, so those are really the only two kind of visits that are on deck. There's been reports that, um, Jordan Butler, Jordan Burks, um, Papacante, um, and maybe like a Parker Friedrichson might take visits, but we haven't seen any reporting of dates or sort of official word there. Um, and sometimes those visits even kind of go into the fall a little bit. Um, they kind of coincide with football weekends and things like that. So, you know, they got two guys on campus early, two fast risers in the spring, which is good. And maybe they're in good position with one of them coming out of that stretch. And, you know, we'll see what they can do kind of going into the fall. And we still have the July period in play where I think you can still maybe try and find some guys. If you have them on your board for scouting looks, maybe some guys blow up and you can kind of make a move in July on some guys. And they also extended a couple of Juco offers last week too. So the 23 class, um, we can talk about this is, it, it's kind of not awkward, but it's, it's sort of a unique, you know, recruiting board right now, Sam, w- w- would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that I, I wrote about and, you know, like, I, I think it's worth sort of pointing out, I guess, in spoken word as well as print, um, you know, that the, the this is. So the the way the recruiting goes, like the 2022 spring class is your first real putting together recruiting class is usually a bit of a um, a train wreck, and and it it can work out. And I think overall, like I think we're we're pleased with what you know Gates and his staff have done uh, this spring as far as you know kind of getting some some good players and excited to play. Like I, you know I think you and I both like Noah Carter a lot. Uh, they've obviously taken care of their ball handling issues, getting Mosley and uh, keeping uh, Aiden Shaw, getting Diara. All the all these things are like you know positive steps. Uh, but but twenty twenty three, like you don't really have the established relationships. Um, I think you can get away with that 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 initial sort of spring class because a lot of the kids that are available in the spring are you know, kids that are looking for a landing spot. So they're looking for a landing spot. You're looking for <laughs> players to, you know, land and, uh, you know, with, with your spots. And, but when you're talking about like the kids that are going to sign in the fall, like that's, that's a lot kind of tougher uh, area. So what you're trying to do is, is sort of locate, you know, guys that are going to maybe be fast risers and under recruited uh, and maybe they don't rise up too fast where, you know, like Kentucky or, you know, Kansas or, you know, schools like that try to get involved. Um, 
And then what you're really trying to do is, is build up your relationships so that you can sort of start stacking classes with 2024 and then 2025. And I, I think, I think you could easily point out and look at the board of the 2023 offers, 2024, 2025, and see that like they've been really active in 24 and 25. Um, and you know, like the, the, the board exists in 23. So I don't, I don't want to say like they, they haven't been doing anything. Like it, it's definitely there, but I think they're trying to figure out exactly what kind of players they can, they can get in. And then I also think like, you know, because we're still in this, this weird area where you're not exactly sure who is and who isn't going to have a COVID year. I mean, like Kobe Brown, um, Nick Honor, and Isaiah Mosley could all come back next year, even though they're, they're all listed as seniors. Like those guys have all, uh, all, you know, played and, and can extend their college career another year if they really want. So you don't really know exactly where your needs are going to be until those guys maybe make some decisions or maybe some of those guys you want to kind of make the decisions for them. Um, so yeah, the 2023 class is going to be a little interesting. We'll just say that. that, that <laughs> yeah, they've got four spots. Not accusatory. And, um, no, yeah. no. It, it, right now they've got four spots. They, they've got three guys who are going to exhaust eligibility and they're holding one scholarship. So they've got four spots. If Again, how you classify positions can change based on where you think guys are. This is all sort of speculative on our part, but you could say they're probably going to need, you know, two wings and a combo guard or two combo guards and a wing and probably at least one post. So basically three guards and a big most likely is what they will need. Now, it depends on, you know, Noah Carter has said pretty consistently, you know, for the next two years, I'm really excited here. So let's just say Noah is sticking. That probably caps you at, you know, six scholarships going into next spring. You know, we can presume that Mosley's probably going to want to move on and, and begin earning a paycheck. So really it kind of comes down to, you know, what do hey, you think? Don't, uh, don't disregard that NIL money. He's uh no, but I'm I'm just I, I'm just <laughs> saying a like given professional that, paycheck. But to me, it's really what they do with the ball handling of, of East and Honor. You know, do those guys want to you know use another year? But realistically, you could you're at four. You could go up to eight if all those guys bounce. The median is probably six six slots, and the other thing is you're still gonna have guys. You know, with COVID years available, you know, this staff has shown that it's not afraid to go into the JUCO ranks. So the 23 board is is almost sort of like this weird, like sort of like <laughs> it's a it's kind of a patch or quilt of, of guys that they have right now. They really came out like gangbusters in, in April and into the first two weeks of May offering guys. And like the guys they offered were you know, some guys that uh, Charlton Young had been recruiting at Florida State and had some relationships with. There were some guys that they offered that were fast risers. And, you know, kind of through those first six weeks of the spring period. Um, and then they really didn't offer anybody. They've only, since May 16, they've only sent out, it looks like three or four prep offers. They've offered two 
JUCO guys in the past week. Um, so it, it's a weird mix right now. It's kind of guys that CY's recruited. It's guys that blew up early in the spring. And then maybe we're trying to, you know, work some JUCO contacts. Um, none of the guys right now are probably, you know, if you look at just the composite rating, not a lot of these guys are, you know, straight up top 50 or 60 level kids. Um, they're kind of borderline there. The guys they've gotten to visit are guys that, you know, fans would look at their composite rating and say, man, those look an awful lot like Conzo Martin recruits. And that would be true. So it's, it's a weird sort of mishmash right now. Um, and to your earlier point, when they started rebuilding this board, it was probably 10 months into a, you know, what, a, what is it usually in like an 18 month recruiting cycle or something like that. And they were having to get guys in and get a staff organized while, you know, backfilling the current roster. So this is a way of saying, you know, they're going to hopefully, I think, have to do a you know, not hopefully, but most likely this may be a spackle job again in 23. The 24 cycle is is really, I think, where you're you're starting to see kind of the shift because, you know, I think I'm looking at it right now. They offered, I'm counting it here. This is why the spreadsheet's handy. In April, they sent out 11 offers to 24 kids. Um, in the month of June alone, they've sent out 15 which is coincides kind of with the period when they can contact kids directly. So the board has the kind of way the building of these boards has been structured is they spent the first six weeks or so as a staff, you know, kind of hammering together and duct taping together a 23 board. And then they started really going to work on the 24 board and the 25 boards and the 25 class. I think we've mentioned this before. I can't recall Consul Martin ever offering more than maybe two or three guys who are rising sophomores that are at 10 in, in the 2025 class. So you can really see, I think, kind of the philosophy here of start building relationships now, start getting into the mix with their those guys. And if you look at the composite ratings, like the top end of the composite ratings here, they continually get higher the farther out they go here. So I think what they've... To your earlier point, again, I think what they're recognizing is there's a limit or a ceiling on what they can do, you know, in 23. It gets a little higher in 24. And now you're really going to start to kind of, I think, see the staff fully try and flex its muscles in 25 with, with some of those higher end guys. And hopefully by then they'll have the on-court results that will help a little bit more. But um, it, it's been interesting, to, to say the least, to, to watch them sort of construct this stuff and build it out what we do know for certain is they certainly at least from what we can tell publicly have a higher volume uh, of contacts and offers going out than the last staff did so that that that's certainly been something to kind of wrap our head around we kind of wondered what this staff's approach would be and um yeah they're in the volume business yeah and, and I, it's also i i think that's a little bit of it is figuring out kind of who you can and sort of can't recruit. And I think for, you know, uh, I think that's something that I, I think for all of Conza Martin's sort of, you know, issues and, and all the things that he sort of failed at, 
I think he had a really good sort of idea of like who he could recruit and and like and what sort of players like Mizzou on its own will attract just you know with the name on the shirt versus um you know what kind of like you know personality fit and all that kind of stuff and I think Martin had a really good clear idea on what that was and I kind of feel like like Dennis Gates is going to have to figure that out um I expect he will like I you know I think I think Dennis is a really smart guy I think he's I really think he's going to figure this out quickly, um, you know, but there is a period where you have to kind of understand the job that you're in. Um, you know, he was leaving Florida state, like really when they could get into anyone's living room. Um, and it's probably going to take a little bit for them to, to, you know, you can always, work your relationships with like the AAU coaches and the high school coaches and, um, you know, make sure that, that everybody, you know, in whatever Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, all those kinds of places are going to, you know, sort of vouch for you. But, uh, you know, but the familiarity with the program and, and the kids that you're trying to recruit is, is still um, going to be a little bit of a speed bump. Um, and so I think, you know, Gates is probably, figuring some of that out right now. And, and as, as time goes, he's, he's going to have a, like a much better idea, like the kind of kids. And I don't like, I just don't think we're going to be seeing them offering, you know, 50, 60 kids a class, you no. know, in perpetuity, like it, it, eventually it's going to settle back down. They're just, they're trying to kind of get in to a lot of doors right now and figuring out kind of where, um, you know, the Mizzou footprint is and, and how they can kind of expand that. And I think that's sort of the goal. Yeah. And if you look at the 24 class, uh, I think I said before we got came on, they only offered, they've called a lot of top 30 kids, but they've probably only offered one top 15 kid and maybe two or three top 30 kids. So I think a lot of it is calling it, getting your name out, getting relationships built, you know, like you're saying, kind of feeling out, you know, where you can get some traction at what tier you can kind of begin to get some feedback because they called, I'm looking at it right here. They called pretty much every kid in the top 20 of all the major recruiting services. No offers went out. The only guys that are, the only offers that have gone out in that tier are to Ryan Jones, uh, a kid out of Gainesville, Florida and uh, Ace Bailey, a kid from Chattanooga who's, you know, now playing in the Atlanta area at McEckern and with Team AOT and a kid and Paul McNeil, and that was an offer that went out last week to Garner Road and out of North Carolina. Spots where the staff has long-standing relationships, and then there's kind of a break, and then they really don't get back into it until they get into the 30s and 40s. And then it's an offer to James Scott out of St. Reed in Chicago through Mean Streets, and... um then Dallas Thomas, who plays for Little Rock Parkview, go Patriots, love that gym, great place to go watch a game. Um, and Brad Beal Elite. Like, so you're not really seeing them. Like, if you're looking at probably top 50 offers, they've got maybe five in the 2024 class or, that are in there. So they're not, and they've got 30 plus offers out. So maybe only one in six are top 50 kids at this point. So that's, I sort of agree with you. And I think that they're calling around, they're validating, they're seeing where they can get in what the response is, 
The one thing I do think it's interesting, and, it's, and I said this in our Slack today, was the volume helps because you can sort of see the forest now instead of just looking at individual trees. Um, they've called, like, if you look at the areas where they the states have been most active, it's been Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Texas, and but the a lot of the states where they're getting they're sending out solid offers are in Florida, Tennessee. Um, Texas, Arkansas, Illinois, and Missouri. Spots where their staff has long worked, where they've got connections. And if you look at, you know, people have kind of decried, you know, we're not seeing a lot of like local offers. Well, the 23 and 24 classes in Missouri, um, you know, are a little bit weak. You know, it really doesn't start to get better until 2025. But if you look at the AAU programs that sort of are in Missouri's nearby footprint, Bradby Elite, six kids have scored offers. Six Mocan kids have scored offers. And three Casey Run GMC kids have scored offers. So they've sent out 15 offers to prospects in 23, 24, and 25 from local programs. Um, they've been really active with programs like Game Elite, which is based in Atlanta, um, Mean Streets, which is in Chicago, and uh, the Arkansas Hawks. Um, where Dickie Nuts, one of his sons, used to be a, a coach with that AAU program. It's an Adidas-based program. Then they've kind of gone to the Indy Heat, which, and then a couple of uh, Florida programs in Knight Riders and Florida Rebels, which are South Florida-based and overlap where Charlton Young is from and where he kind of worked. So you can see that they're feeling, I think you're seeing them be kind of expansive and call around. And everyone's seeing the sheer volume and going, oh, my God, what are they doing? We're not seeing a lot of Missouri kids or, like, regional kids. But when you get down and you really look at where the concentration of offers are, they're working areas, I think, where they've got good connections. So I, I think that they're trying to feel things out, but they're also, I think, trying to get guys in. You know, Kyle Smith-Peters, you know, you see the offers that go out is really working. A lot of those kind of closer-to-home programs, you know, even into, like, Indiana and uh, Kentucky a little bit. But they're letting Charlton and Dickie Nutt sort of work recruiting grounds where they've got a kind of a history. So I agree the volume's going to come down, but I, I do think early on, if people are like, oh my God, you know, what are they doing locally? Local talents ebbed a bit, but they're still really putting an emphasis on kind of those regional programs that are going to have to be feeders for them, you know, moving forward. So it's it's been interesting to watch them sort of balance those priorities out a little bit. Yeah, the uh the the local thing, I mean, I feel like has always kind of ebbed and flowed. Um it, like it we we're ebbed really when Mike cycling. Was yeah, and you know, like there was a, a good run uh you know, particularly from like St. Louis, um, you know, there from what, like 2015, 16. Um, 2020 probably until, yeah up until the last few years but it's 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 certainly thinned out and uh and they're just there aren't a lot of high level prospects coming out so yeah i mean it, it is one of those things that you know but at the same time you know there's some vashan kids who are in the 2025 class who already have missouri offers so you know and aaron Rowe and columbia you know missouri offer so um it looks like it's it is going to kind of pick up here in in 2025 but in the meantime yeah you, you 
you uh you try to sort of build relationships you've got uh um uh you know wichita and, and memphis and i mean there's plenty of regional schools and you know this parker friedrichson kid is you know from oklahoma and Tulsa area. um yeah i mean there's 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 all kinds of of you know regional recruits that sort of you know like i i think you know where missouri has always you know traditionally been able to kind of build its base is um you know it's not really landing michael porter juniors but you know landing guys that are uh kind of in that 75 to 150 range and really kind of you know developing them and uh, obviously you know the nil and uh transfer portal has, has changed a lot about how college basketball is you know is done recruiting wise uh these days uh and i, I still think there's a lot of figuring out that you know college staffs are going to have to live with some of those things and and figure them out as they go along but i still think that if you're able to build a a good program, you're going to keep your core intact because you're going to be able to keep them happy. They're going to be playing. And if they're playing and, and you're winning games, then the NIL money will be there. Uh, and so I think all those sort of things sort of work together. And, and you know, if, if Missouri can sort of find a way to sort of establish and keep that base, um, you know, be able to, you know, mine guys that turn into Marcus Denman and uh, you know, and stuff like that. And I, you know, I think eventually you'll get to the point where, uh, where recruiting and, and recruiting at a higher level, um, certainly will become easier. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would hope anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think the, to me, a good example is what they're trying to do in Chicago where, you know, Illinois for a couple of years is, you know, usually tried to have somebody on staff who's got, is on good terms with Mac Irvin fire. Well, Missouri already has put offers out to no kids from Mac and fire, but it's put offers out to mean street kids. It's called about two other ones, you know, and that's Ty streets program there. Ty streets also played at Michigan. So sometimes he gets Michigan kids in the door there. Um, one of them was Trey Jackson, a Missouri, a former Missouri player who kind of made that, you know, trip down um, from the Detroit area to play um, for Ty streets. But that's a program that, you know, is, is not, that's produced some division one talent that's kind of gone more big East. They produced some big 10 guys. If I guys won't kind of wind up at DePaul in, in quite a bit, but you know, is there a path there to, to get into Chicago through that route? You know, is that a, you know, potential pipeline that you could begin to work? Um, you know, I, I think the other thing people have to keep in mind is Brad Beal Elite in Mocan are now more regional programs than strictly local. Like Brad Beal is pulling from Arkansas and Tennessee, and you know Mocan is now even like robbing and poaching guys from St. Louis and getting guys, you know, out of Kansas and getting also guys out of Tennessee and kind of Oklahoma. So those are they're a little bit more regional programs now. So the the makeup of those rosters isn't like eighty percent, you know. St. Louis metro area kids or even 60% sometimes. Sometimes it's less than half. But those are still pipelines that matter, you know, because they're in your state and usually still the best top-end prospects that, you know, come out of those two areas and feeder systems wind up with those programs. So it's, I think the landscape has changed a little bit over the past three or four years too, where it's not, you know, when you say Mocan or BBE, you're not talking about, 
like a heavy, heavy, heavy presence there. Casey and run GMC still probably is like, I'd still say that's mostly like Kansas and Missouri kids. Um, but it's, it's definitely not the same level of concentration as it used to be. And so recruiting locally, I think has changed a little bit too, in terms of how we talk about it, but, um, really interested in what that 25 class is going to look like in terms of how it shakes out and whether the two Vashon kids kind of, you know, continue on a trajectory where they might be top 100 level guys. Rose been touted as a potential like top 40 ish kid. Does he kind of stay on that trajectory? Um, if that happens, then you've kind of got a, a class that, you know, could be kind of a watershed one for you locally. So that that's really, I think where you're building towards uh, at this, at this point. Yeah, I just pulled up the uh, 2022 boys 17 under Brad Beal elite roster. I mean, these things are rarely 100%. Um, the transfer portal opens at midnight on Sunday for AAU one, teams. What, there's three? Yeah. I think just three St. Louis kids out of, I don't know, nine or ten. Yeah. Um, several Arkansas kids because... I mean, Layden Blocker is an Arkansas kid, uh, despite the fact he's going to Sunrise Christian in Wichita. Um, I don't know where Lathan Somerville is from. Do you? I do not. He's going to the Skill Factory. That's an Atlanta. Which is where where Missouri got uh, Jordan Wilmore from, right? Yeah. Well, the Skill Factory has like three or four teams. It has like an elite team, a prep team, and like it. Somerville is from Peoria. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so not a lot of Missouri kids. I mean, they do have, uh, you know, Des Wyatt from Elias, who's also going to go to the school factory. Um, and a kid from Chaminade. I feel like there's always a kid from Chaminade. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, their, their two best players last year, uh, Brad Beal Elite, were, uh, you know, Nick Smith. Uh, who's Little going Rock. to Arkansas from Arkansas and uh, Brandon Miller, who's from Tennessee going to um, going to Alabama, right? Yep. Yeah. that right? Um, we saw a lot of flow westward to Mocan. Like uh, there were, I was surprised at just how many, like there were a couple of shots, there were like two Chaminade kids, including Terrace Reed was over there. John Bowl left BBE to go west to play for Mocan. Um, which was sort of a surprise, you, you know, I, I don't you know, Davian Bradford, Luke Kasuki, Dylan Branson, like guys over the last couple of years, it's, it's something we've talked about kind of privately. Um, it's really surprising to see kind of that exodus westbound, uh, to Mocan, but even now Mocan's kind of reaching into like Oklahoma to get a guy like Parker Friedrichson and, you know, they've gone into Arkansas a little bit now, um, and they've kind of got a relationship with Link Academy um, and Branson. So it's that's sort of become an evolving relationship to the West. Um, like I said, if I had to say one's like still kind of pure, like when I looked at the rosters last year, mostly heavy local with kind of that feeder system of 15U, 16U, 17U, it would be run GMC in Kansas City, which is on the Under Armour circuit. Um, MPJ Elite is out, and that's kind of... Uh, that's a Puma back team, but it's playing on independent circuits. And, you know, so there, there are programs in that 
you know, are I think are still heavily local, but the kind of two tent pole ones on the EYBL are less local than they used to be. So, uh, do you have any other recruiting bits you want to discuss, or do you want to move on and talk about uniform numbers? Uh, <laughs> not really. I mean, I've tried to watch some tape uh, of these guys, but I think the one thing that that's changed, and this is more like behind the scenes stuff is with, with Zoe's sort of volume and the way Zoe's kind of, and this just goes to our point about a coaching change, you know, within the first one or two cycles, you can kind of figure out how Zoe and his staff structured, you know, their operations. And you, you kind of knew who the four or five priorities were right out of the shoot. And, you know, they did what fans wanted. They focused heavily on their backyard. So if you knew, you know, kind of the top four or five guys in the next three classes, you could really kind of pay attention to that. You knew at least through the first four years that Cornell Mann was going to throw darts in Michigan. You didn't know if they were going to connect, but you knew he was going to try and put offers out there and, and try and work those connections a little bit. And, you know, they, so you kind of could focus on six or seven names in a class and feel good you could watch tape on them you could track them you could really look at the stats and and kind of get them i'm going to say a more longitudinal look on them which was really helpful this staff is more about volume and again we don't really know kind of where they found their pockets or their of of talent that they can get we don't know kind of what level they're working at and we don't really know kind of the players they want you know i think you know we've watched a lot of Cleveland state and we've watched a lot of Florida state, but we've got to kind of see a couple of rosters and a couple of recruiting cycles to really figure it out. So I've watched some tape of guys, like I've watched tape of Garrick Norman. I've watched tape of Aaron page um, of Jordan Butler and Papa Conte. Um, I really like page. Um, you know, I, I'm going to hold my thoughts on Norman because it, it seems like that might be one that's drifting out of view, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little bit weird because normally I'm spending June, like trying to digest some film on guys. And right now it's just sort of like, let's see what they do in 23. Let's see what the roster looks like and what they need to shop for. Um, so I feel a little bit lazy not watching as much film, but, <laughs> um, I'm trying to also be smart about where I, where I put my time and, and sort of evaluate guys. So, um, I'm sorry if I if there to anyone listening, if you're coveting, um, really really, um, myopic Twitter threads of video from guys. It's it's I'm just sort of observing and looking at the macro view of how this staff operates for the moment. Yeah, I did watch a little bit of uh of uh of Gehrig, uh today, and yeah, looks pretty good. Uh, and then you ruined all that by um, basically telling me that you don't think it's going to happen. So I wasted my time, Matt. Wasted my time. Uh, did you Did you watch any of Page? Uh, I did uh, several months ago, actually. Like maybe I, uh, time is a construct. Um, shortly after they offered him, I, I watched some stuff that was available, but. Uh, nothing. I, he looked like a good pro- prospect. I'd, I'm in favor of uh, athletic six eight six nine level. You know, big men. I like his hands. <laughs> Which, uh, 
But that guy catches, it doesn't matter, bad passes, good passes, he usually snags them. He's, I think he's got pretty good spatial awareness. Um, he seems to understand where his body is and how to maneuver it pretty well. He's not just, you know, he's got good size and good kind of, you know, he's got a sturdy frame on him, but you'll watch him sort of, when he gets in the air, he may go up at an awkward angle, but he does a good job sort of locating himself in space. And there's some finishes that look awkward, that are awkward, that he looks, that he makes look pretty easy because he's just got a good sense of where he is and what his body's trying to do. Um, I think Watkins and I were geeking out on his like footwork. He sets really good screens. Sets really, really good screens, understands how to, you know, get out of them. He's got really good timing. Um, if you watch him in some pick and rolls, he understands, you know, when he needs to, you know, sort of hold, you know, wait for the, you know, the drop coverage to commit and, you know, then go and give himself a space. He's really, you know, I don't think he's a guy who you throw the ball to on the block and let him post. Um, he's not like a pick and pop guy yet, but runs the floor really hard, can get rim runs, you know, good weak side rebounder, good timing off the floor there. I'm probably being way too myopic for a guy who we don't know if he's coming here, but a lot of stuff that you like to see from a big. Um, a lot of things that I like, not the same size as Jeremiah Tillman, but just a lot of the same things I liked about Tilly. Just good hands, good feet, good spatial awareness, good laterally. Um, looks like he can slide a little bit if he's got to play in pick and roll. So well, on the whole, not not a bad looking prospect. Um, we'll see if uh, we'll see if he comes here. So I think I think I think your uh, your number spoiler tweet uh, had one wrong. Oh uh, yeah, I think the I think forty five is uh, is going to be my Mayak and Majak Magic Man. Majak, yeah, yeah. That Majak is yeah, I think is off. I I don't think he's number forty five. I no, think he is yeah, forty five. Yeah. I don't think Diara is. Um, Correct. Yeah. And From what we can see, it does look like. Sean East is going to wear uh, Blizzy Blake's 55, mm-hmm. which we were kind of joking on Slack about. Uh, seems appropriate for a point guard who likes to transfer to different schools. <laughs> that, that, um, yeah, Sean is tra- Sean's a traveling man. Uh, has 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 been everywhere. Um, no, the uh, I feel bad spoiling that, but it was. They, they've put out, they have a video clip where all the guys are kind of dancing around in a huddle and you can see all the numbers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Kobe well, Brown. They, they, they release like, you know, not just, uh, you know, the video, but there's like, you know, images of practice and stuff. And it's like, okay, like you can kind of see what they're, what they're wearing. Yeah. Um, so I have Kobe Brown at 24, Caleb Brown at 31. Noah Carter keeps number 35. Ryan DeGray goes back to number 13. He wore that in high school. Sean East is 55. Golson. What did, what did DeGray wear last year? Uh 23, I think. Um Who wore 13? Was it Boogie who wore 13 last year? I think it was I Boogie. Boogie was like zero. Can't, I'm sure we could look the roster up, but <laughs> um Sean East is 55. DeAndre Golston, number four. Trey Gamillion, number two. Demoy Hodge, number five. Nick Honor, number 10. Aiden Shaw, number 23. Uh, and in press release photos, Isaiah Mosley has worn number 11. 
but we will uh, see if that's the actual number that he keeps. And the walk-ons are wearing, uh, the other two walk-ons are wearing 41. Uh, that's Sternberg and uh, Jackson Francois is wearing 42. So there's your number news, folks. I know you are just waiting with bated breath to know the numbers for the guys on the roster, but that 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 appears to be what they are. Diara, the mystery man, though. We will have to see what he what he's wearing. Yeah, take a guess. No, they've got they've got him in a uh, uh, doing a squat, but he's wearing a t shirt no uniform. Yeah, no uniform present. Uh, he wore twenty three at JUCO. That's not an option this year. Um, big guys usually wear numbers north of thirty. Um, so he should be like two. I'd be fine with that. I like it when Biggs kind of, you know, mix it up a little bit. Uh, I'll say 32 just to flip it. He'll flip the two and the three, and he'll wear 32. And Okay. So that that's that's my guess. Um, probably poor, but that's what I'm going to go. No, Boogie wore number five last year. Boogie was number five. <clears throat> that's all right. That's I right. I remember that. Um, Mark Smith was 13 forever. So that that's who I associate it with. But... Um, <laughs> But man, we could do some. We could do for some scheduling news too. Um, that's the other thing. If 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 you know if Rocco, uh, the schedule guy on Twitter, wants to send out where Mizzou's playing, uh, that would be that would be great. Um, they've got. We know they're playing three games right now. I think they close out the Liberty two for one at home this year. So nice. that's four games. Um, doesn't look like an MTE is in the cards. So they probably have eight other games that have to schedule. Um, three of these games are at home. Uh, one is a neutral game against Illinois. So I imagine there's maybe they're trying yeah, to they play. They play Kansas at home. Iowa State at home. Liberty at Iowa home. Iowa State. And then they have bragging rights on a neutral floor. So they've got to probably get two more road games scheduled. So maybe they're in the middle of trying to line up. Some home and home series that they that they'll announce, um, and then they'll just backfill with some some buy games and, uh, yeah. Caleb Brown wore thirteen last year, so Caleb is flipping the numbers and going to thirty one. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and if Mo Diara took thirty two, it's available because Jordan Wilmore wore that one. So mm. do we want to put that on him? You know, maybe he'll breathe new life into it. Uh, but yeah, we successfully, you know, tacked on seven minutes of this podcast. Do we want to get out of here? It's at forty-five. I, yeah, like I'm, I'm surprised we we made it this far. Um, if there's anything that you want us to talk about in the meantime, <laughs> uh, I do think like we're uh, we're. I I wanted to set give some some time before we ask the top eight question. Uh, it's going to be really interesting this year because I do think he's going to play a lot of guys. Um, but I always want to know who's going to be in the top eight. So who's going to garner the the top that uh, top eight most minutes? Um, that question will probably be coming here next week. Um, maybe we can talk about that next time. But yeah, if you have any questions, just just tweet at uh, Matt on Twitter. You can follow him at Matt J Harris eighty five. You can send me those tweets if you want at Sam P. Snelling. Um, 
but yeah, let's let's get out of here. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. If uh, if you like this, you probably make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed uh, wherever you download and listen to your podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, uh, and then you also get the excellent Before the Box Score podcast. Uh, I think we also have a couple other bonus podcasts coming here, hopefully, uh, before the summer wraps up with some interesting other Rockin' Nation Mizzou Athletics content. Um, so make sure that you are subscribed in order to get all those fun uh, podcasts right to your, your mobile device, right? Your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's, that's it. We're going to get out of here. Uh, Matt and I will be back in two weeks. Uh, And until then, thanks for tuning in.